You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be answering your listener questions from a question box that I put up in my story a few weeks ago. So I'm just going to pick and choose a handful of these to go over. I did answer a majority of these in my stories, but I'm getting to the point where I'm getting so many questions. So it's nice because whatever I don't answer, I can turn into a podcast. So without further ado, let's get right into the first question. The first question is causes of constipation. I can't figure it out. I do intermittent fasting, eat paleo, drink a gallon of water, vitamins. So honestly, the big, there's, there's a few things with constipation and I see it with a lot of people that I work with. So with constipation, we have to think of potentially some type of underlying gut imbalance. Is there SIBO? Is there candida? Is there parasites? I see parasites tend to be at the root cause of constipation in a lot of people. I tend to see stress be at the big cause of constipation because stress is going to deplete your magnesium, which magnesium is essential. You also want to look at potential low thyroid because when you are hypothyroid or low thyroid function, it slows down everything. So it slows down your hair growth. It slows down your nail growth. It slows down your skin turnover. It slows down your bowel movements. You It slows down your metabolism, hence why you feel more cold. And so I'm not sure how much you're intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting can be okay in some people. I like to think of intermittent fasting as a 12 to sometimes 14 hour overnight fast versus what a lot of people think intermittent fasting is 16 to 20 hours. You're not breaking your fast until two in the afternoon. I don't find that to be helpful in many people, especially women who are cycling, maybe postmenopausal that can definitely be more helpful, but especially for cycling females, I think that a lot of times that can be stressful. So I think you can still get a lot of the benefits of intermittent fasting, that gut restoration, even with just a 12 to 13 hour overnight fast. So maybe look at how long you're fasting, potentially look at where there might be food intolerances in your diet, if there are any, or if you're getting in a fiber, fiber that feels good for you. I really like adding in things like flax seeds, raw carrot salads, all of those different types of things to just make sure that there's enough bulk to your stool. And kind of going off of that, make sure you're getting in enough magnesium and you definitely want to potentially look at root causes. If you've never done a parasite cleanse, I've seen that really help a lot of people struggle with constipation. Aloe vera juice is also another good natural thing that you can do to really soothe the bowels for healthy, natural bowel movements every single day. So next question Oh, this is a good one. What are some natural supplements or foods for better focus? So when I think of focus, I think of obviously paying attention to, we think of at least caffeine, right? Like that's a natural kind of stimulant that really hones you in and gets you focused. But however, sometimes caffeine come with the jitters, things like that. So I actually love adding the further food hazelnut collagen because Because it contains lion mane, lion's mane, lion mane, I think it's lion's mane. So that's a really great adaptogenic herb that can be really good for focus. The Four Sigmatic Coffee also has some other really cool adaptogenic blends in there as well to help with focus. I love B vitamins. So Seeking Health has a really good B12 
and B9 lozenger that you just kind of set under your tongue. And I feel like that really helps because B vitamins are really helpful for focus. They're a great source of natural energy as is liver. So you can do things like that. I love doing sometimes in the afternoon an adrenal cocktail with some coconut water, a little splash of lime, lemon, or organic orange juice, just a splash, a little bit, a handful of minerals. And sometimes I'll mix some collagen in it as well, just to get kind of a complete source. But I really like adding those different types of nutrients in to help with focus, especially if I have a long day, really using natural light to your advantage. So making sure your work environment is using natural light, not artificial light. Maybe you use some type of a red light or a happy light in the winter time. Maybe you have the pleasure of being able to move your computer or your workstation or whatever you're working on outside because you just we just naturally feel that boost with the sun. Um, going out for even a 10 to 15 wa minute walk in between breaks of having to focus can be really, really important as well. So... Let's see, next question. RGI maps worth it? So a lot of people, a lot of people love gut and stool tests and I think they can be really helpful. However, sometimes I don't think that they're my first go-to. Sometimes I like to work through things like a gut or parasite protocol before investing. I mean, because most GI maps are usually four plus hundred dollars. So, and then you have to talk about the interpretation and all those types of things. And I'm a big fan of functional tests. However, I want to see, okay, can we make some headway and some progress in these, in certain protocols potentially before? And if we don't, I think those are a good thing for potentially seeing why we're not seeing progress. However, that's not to say that I don't think that they're worth it. Cause I definitely think that they are. It just depends on what your budget is, what you're willing to work for, um, and what symptoms you're experiencing really. Because if you are suspecting a parasite infection, we're definitely we're may, I shouldn't say we're definitely, but we are probably not going to see it with a stool test. You just typically don't, unless it's a really big parasitic infection. So, and even with par big parasitic infections, I still haven't seen them come up on a stool test. So Gabby asks, what are some ways to support my body while still on birth control? So you just want to think about the things that the birth control is depleting, right? So it's depleting your B vitamins. It's depleting your zinc. It is potentially causing things like leaky gut. So getting on a good spore-based probiotic, getting on a good B vitamin or desiccated liver supplement, getting on potentially, and that'll, the desiccated liver supplement will cover a lot of stuff. It's going to cover your zinc, your choline, your vitamin A, all of those different types of things. So I would definitely be on something like that and some type of probiotic, collagen, bone broth support to be kind of supporting your gut there. If you're feeling that increased anxiety with the pill, as some people can, you know, maybe doing something like an adaptogenic herb or something like that to calm down that nervous system response as well. Next question. Um, <laughs> okay. Hi, I just started using the castor oil pack over the liver. I started breaking out in that area. Why? So I've talked about this on a live that I've done before. And I think on the podcast that I did with Dr. Marisol, but castor oil packs are a very powerful detox. Some people, when they put them on, they might see a rash over the skin. They might see that their pack turns colors. Like my pack gets pretty gross when I wear it 
uh, every night, which I always wear it. And so that's why I have to change it every night. But if you're seeing something come up on the skin, that's just your body's detox process of trying to get rid of something. So if you feel like you're sensitive, especially sensitive to things like detox, you just want to move into wearing the castor oil pack slowly. So maybe you start with 30 to 60 minutes at night instead of wearing it overnight. And then if you're noticing that that rash continues, maybe you're just wearing it every other night for a few weeks until your body can kind of adapt a little bit but as long as the rash stays in that area it's just your it's just a natural detox process of whatever is there coming out through the skin okay recurring no hold on Okay, how can you test for mold toxicity? So there's different tests you can do. There's at-home tests. I actually did a mold webinar that's within my membership. So if you join the membership, you get access to all the different webinars and monthly Zoom calls. So I, if you're interested in mold, I absolutely would check that out. But mold toxicity, you, there's a urine test that's kind of the gold standard of how you would test for mold. A lot of practitioners will do it provoked. So what they'll do is they'll give you a glutathione push either through intravenous or orally. But I don't like that because when you push glutathione, it can sometimes cause some false positives. So because it's going to push a lot of stuff out of your cell. So it might make things look a lot worse than they actually are. In the webinar, I talk about a case study of a patient where she didn't really light up that much with mold testing. But then once she went through her detox protocol, a few months later, she was feeling a million times better. But she noticed that when she retook her mold test, that it lit up like a Christmas tree. But that's because her body's detoxing and she's finally getting it out of her system. So even though she felt better, the test looked a little deceiving. So I would say urine test is probably the best for it, depending on where you live. Might have restrictions. New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island are pretty annoying for functional testing. So depending on where you live, you might be able to order one. There's certain brands that I can recommend and there's certain ones that I can't because I'm a practitioner in New York, even if I'm sending it to somebody elsewhere, it's quite annoying, but that's okay. Uh, we, we, we could definitely work around it. So I would say urine test would be the best. And then if you're looking for where it is in your home, there's different home kits and things that you can get as well. Reason's hair is abruptly bitter and massive shedding. So whenever we think about hair loss, we have to think about what stressor did you encounter two to three months ago? Because that's what's showing up on your hair now. So that's how uh, your hair is pretty much on like a three-month cycle. So whatever stressor you had a few months ago, that's why it's showing up now. So it might seem abrupt, but you have to think what was going on two to three months ago that could have been a stressor to you. Were you dieting? Were you overeating? Did you get sick? I've been seeing that a lot with post-COVID, post-flu, things like that. If, you're, if, you're, if you have a really bad bout of an illness, it could be pretty stressful on the body. Sometimes when people get off birth control, that can happen as well because their hormones are rebounding and they're kind of fluctuating and trying to figure out where they need to be. So for you, I would definitely just focus on making sure you're hitting enough protein every day, so ideally, I give I always give a range, but about your lean body mass in grams. And so, you know, if you weigh 150, your lean body mass might be 115 to 120. So that's ideally what you want to aim for. And I'm just ballparking that, but that's kind of the range. If you prefer to hit your ideal gram of body weight and grams of protein, that's also fine. You want to be focusing on foods like bone broth, collagen-rich foods, which are going to be inherently protein-rich foods as well. So those are really, really important as well for just making sure that your body's 
nourished, it also would be a good idea probably to also check out your thyroid function just to make sure everything is okay there, assuming that there were no changes in your, um, in your cycle or anything like that. Is it okay for some meat to still be on the bones when making bone broth? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. I don't strip the bones of all the meat. It just, I think, adds to the taste when you're making homemade bone broth. So sometimes I will still have the meat on. And then if it's like really falling off the bone after, I just give it to the dog. Another question on hair loss. Just answer that one. Should you see castor oil packs have immediate results or does it take time and consistency? That's a really good question because it really depends on everybody. I have some people that they wear it one night and they are like, that is the best night's sleep I've ever had. I am never not wearing it ever again. And I have some people that say, hey, I never noticed, you know, a day and night difference. However, the nights that I didn't wear it, I did feel more bloated the next morning. I didn't have a bowel movement or I felt more puffy or whatever, name the symptom. So for me, I don't think I had... When I put it on, I do feel an immediate sense of dopamine rush. Like you just feel, it's like a big hug putting the castor oil pack on. So I do feel that. I do feel the de-stress. Because I don't struggle a lot with bloating anymore, it's not like a magical thing. However, if I forget to bring it on a trip, it is something I so look forward to putting on when I come back. So I pretty much try to bring it everywhere I can go. But I think the biggest thing with the castor oil packs is you have to be consistent to see results over time. Like you can't just wear it for one night and expect that to help heal like your candida and your gut issues because castor oil is really great for breaking down candida and biofilms, but you have to be consistent with it. Jilly asks, any advice for current vegetarians for adding meat back into the diet? So I think you have to do what works best for you and I think adding something like bone broth would be really helpful to kind of get at least a lot of that protein building blocks back into your diet. I have some vegans or vegetarians that, you know, we might tiptoe them in with chicken or fish or things like that, but they immediately just, some of them just like immediately want to go right to the red meat, right to a steak, right to a burger. And that's okay. So I, maybe if you're kind of tiptoeing into it, maybe trying like chicken, putting like shredded chicken in a dish or on a salad or something like that. And trying that or fish and then moving into more like turkey and red meat and things like that. But if you're really in the mood for some ground beef, add it in. But because, or if you are worried that you're going to maybe have some digestive stuff because you haven't had it in a while, maybe have a little bit of apple cider vinegar or digestive enzymes with that meal just to help your body get it back into needing to break down the protein, needing to break down the fat. What kind of protein powder do you recommend? I realize I forgot to answer this on the last question. So in terms of my top two plant-based protein powders, I really like Aura Organic and I like New Zest. Those are my top plant-based that I personally use. Truvani is also another great brand that I have used. I have not used the Just Ingredients protein, but I really admire her and her work and I've heard great things about it. So for plant-based, Aura Organic, New Zest, Just Ingredients, and Truvani are great brands. For a whey-based protein, I've heard really good things about Promix, and I have been really liking the Levels brand. It's grass-fed whey. I think there's four ingredients. I really like that one. My body does well with whey. However, we have both the plant-based and the whey on hand. 
is it possible to treat fibroids naturally without surgery? Yes, it is. And one of the best things to treat fibroids, especially uterine fibroids, is castor oil. But anywhere where you have fibroids, you can apply castor oil and apply the pack, and it naturally helps to break down fibroids. Also, you might want to get your estrogen tested because if your estrogen is high, it's continuously fueling that growth of fibroids. So you have to make sure that you're doing a protocol to help lower that proliferative form of estrogen. So you can look at something like a Dutch test or hormone test to potentially see, because you could wear the castor oil pack all day, but if you're still making all that estrogen and you're not detoxing it right, it's going to continue to come back. So you have to find that root cause reason. Um, let's see. Uh, low testosterone, how to gain muscle when soreness is insane. So low testosterone, one of the biggest reasons for low testosterone is high cortisol and low vitamin D. So that's a recipe for low testosterone in males and females. So testosterone, although we think of it and sometimes we think of it as females is sometimes a bad or annoying thing. It's actually an essential hormone. It's going to help your lean body mass. It's going to help your muscle. It's going to help your libido. It's going to help your metabolism. We just don't want it overdone and we don't want to be favoring the androgenic pathway, which the androgenic pathway is what can lead to things like acne and things like that. So definitely check out the cortisol level. Make sure you're having enough protein in your diet because that's essential and make sure you're able to digest and utilize your bioavailable protein. So getting them from ideally an animal source and definitely check out your vitamin D levels because that is crucial for getting your uh, testosterone up naturally. So next question recommendations for at-home water filters for really clean water. So I am a huge fan of Berkey. We've been using the Berkey for about two years. And recently I've just started using a water distiller because I've been doing a lot of research and distillation seems kind of to be la creme de la creme, if you will, of water purification. So I got my water distiller on Amazon. I think I have it linked in my Amazon storefront. And Berkey, I got right on their website. I, we have the 2.25 gallon one. So I think between those two, it works really well because I usually distill about a gallon of water a day to just have on hand, whether it's for coffee, iced tea, whatever. And then the Berkey just again for, for more water. But for Berkey, you can use discount code Dr. Haley for any of the filters, any of the stainless steel units, any, anything like that. But I'm a huge fan of Berkey. I really like it. We've been using it for years and I just recently kind of got into distillation. So those are the best, uh, or those are the ones that I use, but reverse osmosis is also very good as well. I just personally haven't used it, but I do know that it is a very good filtration system. Okay. Um, <laughs> Lots of, okay, this is lots of questions on castor oil packs. Um, so I would recommend for, if you did ask a question on castor oil pack that you go to my Instagram page, you go over to my, uh, you go over to where I do IG lives or you could, it is on my main grid as well, but I did a full 30 minute, 30 to 40 minute live with Queen of Thrones, uh, their medical director. So I think that would be good, but I will answer this as well this question because I love talking about castor oil packs. Uh, are they okay to use while trying to conceive? So 
They are okay to use while trying to conceive. However, once you have conceived or what you think is conceived, I wouldn't use it anymore. I wouldn't use it for the remainder of that cycle, if that makes sense. So like use it up until around the time that you're ovulating, if you're actively trying to conceive and then I would not wear it. That's just really heavily airing on the side of caution. That's just what I would do because, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like I have had so many people wear, wear it and then find out that they're pregnant and then they're, it's fine. However, there's just not, it's, there's no research on castor oil packs in pregnancy. Just, we just know that late in pregnancy, castor oil can cause uterine contraction. So it can be helpful if you're kind of past your deadline or around your due date. But, um, I don't think it's bad, like I said, if you're wearing it all month and you find out, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant, but maybe wear it kind of before, wear it right up until you're conceiving and then maybe take a break from it until you know if you're pregnant or not. Just to really err on the side of caution, that's usually what I tell people. If you don't, like I said, it's it's not the end of the world. I haven't seen any issues from it, especially because it's so new into the pregnancy. But again, just just kind of a tidbit there. So Nicole asks, the best ways to support your liver during pregnancy, I miss my castor oil packs. So good kind of follow-up question because again, you definitely don't want to wear it while, like while you're actively pregnant. So for me, I, even though I'm not actively trying to conceive right now, my prenatal of choice is a beef liver capsule. So beef liver is one of the best ways that we can support our own liver because like supports like an ancient Chinese or ancient ancestral wisdom. So making sure that you're taking some desiccated beef liver or eating beef liver. I've been actually grinding up some liver, putting it in a little silicone tray, putting it in the freezer. And every time I go to make a smoothie, I just pop a little bit out. It's just a little cube, mix it with my fruit smoothies, which is usually like organic cherries. Maybe I'll use some organic blueberries or something like that. Some whey, grass-fed milk, and that's really it. And it's really good. It's a really great way to sneak liver in. Um, you can be doing things like cruciferous vegetables, leafy greens, beets. Those are all really good for the liver. You can probably do some dandelion and burdock tea. Those are also really great for the liver. So all of those things you definitely can be optimizing. How to decrease testosterone with PCOS. So Lara asked this, and I would definitely check out the episode that I did on spironolactone. You're definitely going to want to listen to that episode because I talk all about that, but essentially we would need to find out the root cause for why testosterone is high. Is it insulin resistance? Is it cortisol? Is it low? Is it, you know, what potentially could it be? I usually see it be due to insulin resistance, especially with PCOS. So you have to be tackling that insulin resistance first, but things that you can do to help lower certain testosterone levels or lower like the aromatasing effects of testosterone and things like spearmint, green tea, those are really two really great herbs, but you really want to make sure that you are balancing your blood sugar. Reasons for elevated liver enzymes. So I'm seeing elevated liver enzymes in a lot of people, and I don't like to see liver enzymes that's AST, ALK, AST or ALT. I don't like to see them above 25. So most labs won't flag them, I think, until like they're over 30 or almost 40, then they'll flag them as high. But we can see them high for a lot of reasons. Um, prescription medications, over-the-counter medications, environmental toxins, non-alcoholic fatty liver is more abundant now than ever. So that's usually due to high fructose corn syrup and like over, or corn syrup in general, anything that's very high in fructose. Um, I don't see that to be as the much of the case fructose coming naturally occurring from fruit, but more so the processed foods. So you definitely want to look at what's in your environment uh, and be able to deal with that 
and maybe you need to work with someone to kind of do some type of a liver protocol to really help bring those levels down. But I see that in a lot of people. I've seen high liver enzymes in people who do a lot of vegetable oils, uh, who do a lot of diet sodas. I see, I see that stuff a lot, or so, even artificial sweeteners, because they can, for some reason, have a bigger impact on some people. So uh, definitely, definitely look into that. Okay. Next question. I'll do a few more because I've got time. Okay, where do we want to go? Okay, this is a good question. Libby asks, what are your opinions on Botox? So no judgment for people who get Botox. Uh, however, I just don't think the risks outweigh the benefit. Or I don't think the benefits outweigh the risks. Um, but Botox it's a botulism toxin. So, and essentially the way that it works is it's paralyzing the muscle. So I just think long-term, like if I were to start getting it now in my late twenties, I would have to continue getting it to make it work. So I have to continue injecting, continue injecting, continue injecting, continue injecting, continue injecting. And that's just one, I would so much rather not do that. And two, the, there is a black box warning on Botox. Um, so I don't judge anyone who gets it. I have some friends who get it. They look great. However, it's just it's just not worth it to me. So this is just my opinion. I have zero judgment on people who choose to do it. I'm just telling you kind of the facts and why. But because you have to do it so frequently, I think in the long term it's actually not beneficial for anti-aging because when you're paralyzing a muscle, you're cutting off the blood supply. And blood supply is life. I mean, that's what makes us vibrant. That's what makes your skin vibrant. So I see so many people who have gotten Botox for years and years and years and years, and then they need the fillers. And then they need these things that bring back life to that area because you've completely cut off the blood supply. So I actually recently just started using, they're called frownies. They are this really cool little tape that you apply to certain areas where you would potentially inject Botox, but essentially the tape is working so that those muscles aren't moving. However, it's not atrophying the muscles because I'm just wearing it at night. I also like doing things like bone broth because it plumps the skin from the inside, really helps to prevent wrinkles. I like doing gua sha because when you're soothing those muscles, really releasing a lot of the tension in those muscles, you're not getting those fine lines because fine lines really occur with muscle definition, think of like your arms, your arms or your legs, like you're getting that muscle definition because your muscles are growing and it changes how it looks on your skin. And it's the same thing in your face, like with the facial expressions that we make, which if you know me, I'm a very expressive person. I wear what I'm thinking on my face. So I have to be careful of that, which I know for anti-aging purposes, but I really like, uh, I love using gua sha for that reason. Cause it really helps soothe those fine lines, really releases a lot of the tension in the muscles to help those muscles relax, which naturally will help those fine lines. So that's just my thoughts. I am planning, I would love to have somebody who's an expert on Botox come on and just really give a good informed consent because it does kind of bother me how heavily it's pushed for preventative in people's even early twenties. I just, people can do absolutely whatever they want. I just, it just kind of bothers me that that's like kind of the gold standard for skincare prevention. And we're not talking about anything else for anti-aging. Just my personal opinion. Again, zero issues with people who get it. That's just my thoughts. Um, let's see. Okay. Let's do one more. Um, <laughs> 
Another skin rash question. Okay, we'll answer this one about melasma. So what do you recommend for melasma? So one, we have to figure out why you're getting melasma. Are you on birth control? Have you ever been on birth control? Because that's one of the biggest reasons is a lot of the synthetic estrogens. Melasma can also be from an iron overload. So are you taking artificial or sorry, synthetic iron supplementation? I noticed that when I was cooking a lot out of cast iron skillets, I was getting more melasma. So we just, I just use cast iron skillets less. However, I know that that was not causing the melasma. It was just not making it get better. So my melasma was caused from birth control, which is very annoying. And it was right above my upper lip and it was very, very, very annoying. I am happy to say that my hormones are in a great place so that I have fully balanced them out for the most part. I don't have the melasma on my upper lip anymore. And usually melasma is due to excess estrogen and especially excess estrogen from the pill. So looking at something like that, when you have an active flare, you definitely want to be using SPF so that it doesn't get darker. And otherwise skincare, vitamin C can be very helpful using something like a glycolic acid or at home type peel that you can use. I noticed a really big impact with the beauty counter overnight resurfacing peel. I love using a great vitamin C serum because that's going to buff out any type of discoloration or darkness. There's a new mask from beauty counter that's a AHA. So it's a, it's an acid based mask. It's kind of like an at home peel that's safe enough that you can use a few times. I usually, usually use it two times a week, but that's really helpful like I said, protecting it from the sun when you're in the active melasma flare. But now I am in the sun all the time. I haven't seen it come back, knock on wood, knock on wood. Uh, but it's really about once your hormones are balanced. And I will be able to take a look at my hormones once I do my Dutch test this year, which I'm going to do it this month. So I will be able to see, does my estrogen look different this time than it did last year? So that's it for questions today. Thank you guys for submitting questions in the question box. I Hope that this was helpful and I hope that you guys have a good rest of the week.